I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Mark Boris and this is Straight Talk. Matthew Johns. Mark Boris. You and your brother were mad. It was better than Leo. I wasn't a natural player. Any way, shape, or form. To play well and compete against those guys, I had to be on mentally. That becomes part of the algorithm of your life. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're going to hit the wall really quick. It was seriously scary. Have you heard from the man who won't die, the immortal? Oh. Our uncle? Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns? No, I haven't. Mate, what's going on? We're not even in the same library, let alone the same page. Growing up, you know, we slept in the same room, same school, of course, and then you know, we have the same profession, this high-profile profession. We're playing, you know, first-grade NRL. You know, we play for New South Wales together, for Australia together. Like, I think we're just fucking sick of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Johns. Mark Burris. Did I sound like your father then? <laughs> Matthew? <laughs> now, it's usually I hear, Andrew? Matthew? <laughs> well, it goes like that, does it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're going to park that. We're going to come back to that bit. Okay. Matty Johns, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank so you. So I, I, I like the way you're rocking that Scotch and Soda T-shirt, mate. Mate, it was good to uh, cross-promote, Mark. You yeah, know all I, about I, I, that. I can see it. Yeah. But now, and what I just know, and I have to ask you this because – Yep. Look at the size of your fucking guns. And I've always noticed that your forearms are huge. I don't know what the fuck you do. I mean, do you, do you, what sort of gym workout you do? Okay, well, I'm serious now. What, what, is, what do you do in terms of gym work? I have actually scaled back a bit, Mark. So these days it's mainly body weight stuff. You know, I, I don't like do- Like chin-ups, push-ups. Yeah, yeah chin-ups and push-ups and that sort of stuff. The old Des Hasler regime yeah, back yeah. in the day, you know, dips and that sort of- But you, but you know what it is, Mark? I've found, and it was interesting- I remember years ago when I was working with the Melbourne Storm, uh, Alex Corvo, who trained the Melbourne Storm, it was very interesting how he used to train the younger players. He used to get them like um, high reps, lots of sets when they were younger, uh, when, he, when they first got them to the club. And I asked him why and he said, muscle memory. He said, I want to build like almost like a, a career base. And he said, once I can do that, players can come back, come back later to pre-season. And it was really interesting. Sometimes you watch even guys like Cooper Cronk early in their careers, Greg Inglis and different guys, they'd come back carrying a little bit of timber. But two weeks of training and they're starting to rip up. And, you know, I've been sort of, you know, through professional sport training since, uh, you know, that sort of stuff since I've been about 17, Mark. So I sort of find now 
that, you know, I can train three days a week and still stay in shape because of that muscle memory stuff. Um, That's interesting because yeah. like, you're around Freddie's age. You're about 52, 53. Yeah, 52. Around, around yeah. The territory. Yeah. yeah, so like you're in the sort of second part of your, 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 you know, your lifespan. Yeah. How important is it? How important is health to you now? Like, is it a big deal? And do you research this shit? And like, in terms of what you eat, I mean, you drink. Yeah. I mean, you obviously have a drink, but like, yeah, so how I often do. you drink? Because <laughs> yeah. I do. I mean, you, you and yeah. your brother were mad. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, in the old days, I'll yeah, go back yeah, to it. yeah. Have you sort of give yourself an uppercut and sort of, you know, as you, you sort yeah. of start to look at, you got your two boys coming through now that you know they're yeah. playing footy and they're doing stuff with you. And you know, and and Trisha's, you know, like you've got to keep yeah. your family together. You've got to stay around. They, you're the rock. Mark, how, how important do you take that? Yeah, I, I do. I uh, probably two parts of that. Firstly, there, I I live almost like two lives. Monday to Friday, Matt's very different to Friday to Sunday, Matt. So Monday to Friday, Matt trains, watches what he eats, um, all that sort of stuff. Sleep properly. Perfect husband. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we knew that. Friday to Sunday, sort of, you know, eat whatever I want, drink too much. It's a little bit like Mark having the heater on in one corner and the air conditioner on the other and you just find out who wins the fight. The air conditioner wins, I'll be still around in 10 years. Right. If the heater wins, pray for me. What's drink too much mean though? Like, you know, I mean, like, oh. you're not like fucking walking around blind. No, all no. All weekend. You're not starting at 11 o'clock where you're mowing the lawn or something. Like, no, 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 no. Drink too much relative to what you probably think you should be in terms of a 53 year old. Yeah, prob- probably, yeah. C- coming through, and a lot of it's cultural, Mark. Yeah. In my dream, like, like um, coming from uh, the Hunter Valley, and uh, my dad was a coal miner, grandfather, great grandfather. You know, generally that's sort of. It gets passed through. I, I, I remain sort of disciplined in what I drink. I, I don't drink as much beer these days. I drink sort of, you know, a bit of gin or a little bit of vodka. Um, although the concern about vodka is that it's a very fine line between being upright and horizontal. You know, I say when you drink beer, it's like a 747 taking off. When you get there with the vodka, it's like space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> I know because it catches you. Bang! It does. Uzo used to do that to me, and uh, and and I, and I did it so many times when I was younger. Yeah. I can't fucking even smell the stuff now. I can't. I can't even stand the smell of it because I have this sort of memory. You talk about muscle memory. I got muscle memory in my gut and my brain. Smell vodka Uzo, um, and I feel sick immediately. Yeah. That's not bad for a Greek. I, I, so you're, you, you know, I want to just touch on something you said. Your grandfather, I think. Yep. Your your, your father. Yes. Beyond. There's like four generations or three generations before you. Mm. You all grew up in Cessnock. Yes. Well, my uh, my okay. My mother's side of the family originally from Mudgee. They moved to Cessnock. My father's side of the family come from Curry Curry, which is just sort of down the road, which is Cessnock and Curry Curry. It's like the like the Hatfields and the and the McCoys. And Dad did the he did the you know he crossed the the Iron Wall. And went into Cessnock when he met mum. And then, you know, I can still walk down the main street of Curry Curry and people say, there's that fucking arsehole from Cessnock. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, I still get it. It's still tribal. Yeah, still very tribal up there. Yeah, amongst the, in the coal fields. And you, know, you get, uh, you know, uh, or Curry Curry's got an amazing history. It's Welsh Protestant town. A lot of old Welsh miners went there. So my dad's side of the family is Welsh, mum's side of the family are uh, Irish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, but, uh, well, that's, I mean, I, and I saw you nearly, you did play for Wales, didn't you? Did you play for no, Wales? No, I got you, offered, you wouldn't believe it. So, Wales reached out and when I'd sort of finished 
uh, getting towards the end of my career and they weren't picking, picking me for Australia anymore. Not that I'd pick me a lot, but, you know, anyway. And they said, oh, would you be interested in play for Wales? And, uh, and I went, oh, let me just think about it. And I came back and I said, look, I'd like to. I'm really flattered by it, but I just feel if I do that, it almost undermines what you did by playing for Australia. That yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, a mate sent me a thing from one of the local newspapers there and they were into me saying I disrespected the Welsh people. I was like, fuck that now. <laughs> I've never been to Wales. But, yeah, but of course, uh, I, myself and Andrew, we're the first generation of Johnsons not to go down a, a pit, down a coal mine. Really? And, and yeah. was that a, a conscious decision by your mum or your dad? It, it was more dad because, I mean, when you're coming through as a young guy, you don't think about – like I never looked at football as a professional sport. I just always wanted to play it. And if I was able to play one of the big Sydney clubs, all the better, uh, you know, pre-Newcastle Knights days. And then I found out later on that they paid you for playing. I was like, Fuck, wow, how, you know, how good is that? But, of course – you know, back in the day, you still had to, you know, rugby league, although it was professional, really in essence it was semi-professional. And, you, um, you know, you're playing, you, you, you're training and you're playing, but you need to have a nine-to-five job or, you know. Or a sponsor. Me, yeah, that's right, a sponsor. Rothmans or someone like that. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, as you basically used to do, a Sellerman at East Leagues Club. <laughs> and, uh, and so for me it was, I was like, I'm going to be a coal miner. Yeah, and oh, you did. I I, know I wanted to be. I said because all my mates were going to coal mining up there. You either work at the aluminium smelter, or you know you would do a labouring job, or you go down the coal mines. And for me, I said I go down the coal mines, pays better. And the old man, when I was in about year ten, took me down the coal mine, and I said I'm not going to be a coal miner anymore. It was it was seriously scary. Like you mean, as in terms of claustrophobia, or oh, just you know, it, it was amazing. You know, going so far underground, and in you know, like they're bolting the roofs and setting things off and explosives and whatnot, and the whole joint shaking, and uh, and even my old man, you know, like you, you got to be careful and you don't drill through a coal seam. I remember down there once, and you know, this is a long time ago, but the old man had literally, you know, had the hard hat on with a with the light at the top of the the roof, and he's just walking along. And they've got this big miner just churning, you know, coming behind him and he's got to work out if it's the end of a coal seam. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a human, my old man, judging. He's got almost the lives of all these people around him. Uh, and I just thought, no, this is not really for me. So, but what, what does that tell you about your father? Yeah, the old man was a very, very hardworking, disciplined man. And, and and the other about him too, Mark, he had me when he was about eight or, 18 or 19 and I oftentimes think about like uh, Dad used to uh, he used to work dog watch mainly down the coal mine, which means uh, your shift starts at midnight and you finish at eight in the morning. And so I could never always work out why Dad was always in a bad mood on a Sunday, and, and uh, the reason was, of course, midnight that night he starts his working week, and it's not like a working week like myself and you, Mark. Yeah, you know, you're going down a you're going down a dark hole, and so. Yeah, and it was funny, like the camaraderie down there amongst all the blokes is not dissimilar to a rugby league side. When the old men had, you know, numerous accidents down there and eventually they wouldn't let him go underground. And I thought to myself, God, what a relief for the old man. And for the first month it was. But then he got, he was terribly depressed, missed the camaraderie of all the blokes. So they wouldn't let him go down a coal mine. So instead he took up roofing. You serious? <laughs> yeah. So he became a roofer. Yeah, he became a roofer. He did that for a fair while, but then he had a couple of accidents on roofs. Fell off the roof or something. Yeah, kept cutting his legs on, you know, on a the piece tin. of sheet metal. And so, but he's still he's uh, he's a groundsman now up in the Hunter Valley. Because you, you know, yeah. you and your family, 
I mean, you and Joey have blues, but the rest of your family, your mom and dad and your missus and your kids, mm. you're a pretty tight unit. I mean, it's something that's always struck me, um, you know, the John's family is mm. tight. I mean, you, yep. you bag the shit out of your dad in, in yep. a joking sense, like it's yes. more for your comedy. Yep. Um, and But nonetheless, I mean, I saw a photograph the other day, I think it was one of your Instagram feeds, but uh, where it was, I think it was your mum and dad, it was around a Christmas tree, it was your mum and the dad and uh, your two boys and you and Trish. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, that That's pretty cool that a person of your, you know, mm. stature here in New South Wales or Australia mm. is prepared to put that up at Christmas time. Not many, many people yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. We are a close family. And, and I tell you, what, what sort of adds to a mark is, of course, mum and dad had me so young. There's not a huge yeah, age not gap. not a massive gap. No. And because I had my two boys sort of early to mid-20s, there's not a huge gap between Nan and Pop and my boys. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that sort of binds everything nice and tight. Yeah, that's funny. That's the same sort of in my family. So like like I must be around, your dad must be around my age. It's like 70. Would he be about 70? Um, let me think. How old? Yeah, 70. 70, okay. Yep. So, you know, and, and I'm sort of like that with, with my older son to, to some extent and then I'm similar to that with my dad. And when I look around in my family, I think to myself, I want to end up like, end up like my father at his age, be able to see my son, my grandsons, blah, 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 great-grandsons one yeah. day. Do you ever think about that sort of stuff for yourself? Yeah, I do, Mark. I tell you, Mark, you know, and you used to come in Triple M quite a bit. Yeah. Like uh, Breakfast Radio took a big toll on me. That's on, like coal mines. That's getting up early. <laughs> yeah. What time do you start? Uh, or leave home? Early, early doors in the first uh, few years, I wake up at quarter to four and uh, get in there about, uh, rush around, you know, Shower, clean the teeth, all that sort of stuff. Get in there about four thirty, and on air at six, and then you sort of hang early again. Early doors, we'd sort of hang around there for a couple of hours afterwards, do uh, pre-records for the next day, meetings, etc. Later on, when I started hitting the wall mark, like I'd be climbing out of bed at ten past five, right? Having a shower, I could time it to the minute that I walk into the studio. No wasting any time. No wasting any time. And as soon as it finished, I had to get out of there. I, I just hit the wall. My my last twelve months, I I got, I got pneumonia twice. Oh really? But all the, I just knew there was something. I thought there was something not right, and uh, I went and got a heart check. Heart was fine. They said no, strong, not a drama. I was walking with Joe. Something's not right. Something's. I just I just feel like I'm teetering. I went and got a blood test and my cholesterol was through the roof. And there's high cholesterol in our family. Um, I remember Dad, when he got pancreatitis, they went and did a uh, test on the old man and they said that he it was a phenomenon that he was still alive. And, uh, yeah, he said that the doctor said to the old man, do you drink much? Huh. Well, I got was, frank pancreatitis probably. <laughs> he goes, oh, only one or two a day. And the doctor said, it's okay. He said, well, he would be the tra- truth serum later on. And, uh, but yeah, so high cholesterol loves in the fa- uh, runs in the family, as well as, you know, having a good time, having a drink. And with Triple M, if you're doing those breakfast radio, Mark, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're going to hit the, the wall really quick. And for me, it just my, my lifestyle ended up deteriorating. Yeah. Yeah. You're wired all the time. You're jet lagged all the time. Um, uh, you're eating the wrong stuff, probably drinking too much. And I, I had 12 months still to run on my contract at Triple M, but I just I had to knock it on the head. So, like, because that was with MG Gus, and at one stage there was Stewie McGill. Yep. Um, I think Stewie, no, who replaced Stewie? McGus did. 
Uh, I, I replaced Stewie. You replaced and then Stewie. And we had Pagey as well. Okay, but, yeah. but you, you were never there with Stewie McGill? No, okay. I wasn't So you Stewie. come in to take Stewie McGill out? Yes. Because I used to see on the show in those days when, when Stewie was there. And then I just remembered one of the things that used to happen a lot is that there was always a social environment around it. Mm-hmm. It was very social. And that's oh, sort of yeah. part of the gig, you know, like because uh, yeah. you're always hanging out with these guys who are good dudes. And when when you say that you started to run, you know, like you got burnt out effectively, yep. do you think that happened to MG and also happened to Gussie? Do you think they got to the same into the same position? I, I think at times you do. I, I, I MG left uh, breakfast quite a while. He's gone back now. but you He know, went to afternoons and he's come back to breakfast. Gone back to breakfast. Yeah. But I think there's arrangements there to make things lighten the load yeah. a lot. Um, I think, yeah, with Gus, I think with all of us, with Pagey, you just, you just sort of, you just, you hit the wall. It's it's too much. And particularly what we were really social too. Yeah. And the great thing about that show, they were amazed in there at Triple M. They said, we can't believe we've got a breakfast show here where every, everybody gets on, everyone likes each other and it's sustained for so long. And I think the reason, Mark, is, and, and you would have seen it with The Apprentice, and we see it with a lot of reality shows, is the people who play professional sport, professional team sport, learn to suppress their own needs for the betterment of the team. You know, you see that's why, you know, Sammy Birds was so good in SAS. You know, you learn to coexist with people around you, you know, and, and, and just get on with the job. And that's that was the case with the grill team, Triple M. And we go away together, we drink together, have a great time. Every time we went away, we had the time of our life. It was fantastic. I used to think to myself when I went in there, though, and I'd only go in there for like a short for five minutes for me, even that, not even that. And I used to think... This is really intense. Now, people listening on the radio don't know, no, but it is quite an intense environment. Mm. Like you, you got to think about how do, am I going to be funny? How am I going to um, make this particular item that you know, has been the production team has given to you to talk about? How am I going to make that interesting? And there's an intensity. Then there's an intensity between each of the three of you too, because it was nearly competitive. Or the four of you, mm. Paige didn't do much. He just sat there putting people on and off. And yep. but the other, the three of you, it's very intense. And football teams are very intense. Football mm. environments are really intense. Yep. Between in a team sense, that intensity, I reckon you're probably the most intense out of all those people in that show. Mm-hmm. And yep. I don't mean bad in a bad way, yep. but you're on. Yes. You're on for the moment the, the lights go on, the green light comes on and you are and you don't stop until you know, 9 a.m. or yep. whatever time it, the show stops. And it, that, is that a trait in Matthew Johns in everything you do? It, it was a trait that I had to develop through my rugby league career, Mark. And what it is, I've only just let go of that trait or been to have the uh, the discipline to let go of that trait. Or to like, acknowledge it first. Yeah, to acknowledge it and then being able to move on from it. It was part of me that like even even up until five, six years ago, I'd be ready to do a Fox show, which I, I, I don't get nervous about, but I'd find myself the day of being really irritable. Trisha go, Jesus, what the fucking, you know. And I said, I don't know. I said, it's just what happens when I... I'm about to go to work. And that's a, that was a, a, a hangover from my rugby league days because, Mark, I wasn't a natural player in any way, shape or form. Wasn't a great athlete. You know, I, I wasn't a Brad Fittler. I wasn't a Laurie Daly. I wasn't Anthony Mundine or one of those guys, right? For me, to play well and compete against those guys, I had to be on mentally. And so if I went into a game, Mark, I had to be, I had to be on. If I'd have gone, if I go out there, there's been at times that I've gone out, you know, and you go into to playing one of the lesser sides uh, in a suburban crowd. There's not a big crowd there. There's not much atmosphere, and I'm not on. I'm one of the worst players on the field. 
But if I go into a semi-final game playing against someone great and I'm up emotionally to the point before a game you sort of almost you're almost in tears, then I know I'm going to play good. You know, and that that becomes part of the algorithm of your life. And that's that's it's like brain training. Yes, yes it is. And and well it's just on that like uh What's your process? Because uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously you do well and everything you do now. You've got a million shows on. You've done a million different things. You, have, you know, you've yep. been different characters. You know, Reg Reagan, etc. I mean, it's just go. The list goes on and on and on. Yep. What is the process that Matthew Johns goes through to get himself on? Well, Mark, I'm an over preparer. Everything, which over. means what? So, okay. Um, like this is nice to come in here today because I'm just reacting off you. Yep. If I'm if I'm if I'm you and I'm yep. doing this interview, then I'm preparing for almost a four hour four hour interview, because um, I like to be in control of what I'm doing. Um, oftentimes, I find with radio when I I'll do some I do one show a week with SEN, and as opposed to Triple M where it was three or four minutes song, three or four minutes ad break, you get a little breather. In this uh, in this platform I'm doing, it's fifteen minutes. Straight talk and it's different subjects. All the In time. terms of SEN, yes. Yep. Um, now there's nothing more frightening or terrifying when you get to about the eighth minute. A dull spot. You hit seven minutes to go and you're going, "Fuck it, we're out of juicy. We we're going to go." So it's you know you got a 15 minute break, and I'm planning for 25 minutes in case you know, or I'm interviewing someone, you know, and, mate, can you tell us at that time? Oh, I don't really want to talk about it. Oh, uh, what do I get from you? Yeah. yeah. Where do I go from here? And suddenly you're planning one, you know, it could be when I do a podcast with someone, you know, planning a one-hour interview, suddenly 25 minutes, I'm three-quarters of the way through all my questions and you go, mate, this is going to be this is going to be bad. You know, that terrifies me. So I'm, I'm an over-preparer all the time. And that even now uh, with, you know, I'll, I'll talk to my producer as far as the Fox shows, Thursday and a Sunday. Now we'll put the, the show together through the week and I know the show inside out. But what he'll do is on the day of he'll send me the written version of what we put together, but I will I, I don't trust that on the paper, you know I I I'd look and I don't trust um, typed words. For me, I have to take that away totally and rewrite it myself because when I do that, that embeds in my brain, and then through the show I don't need to look at it as much, or through the show hiding can go down a, a rabbit hole or fletching it down a rabbit hole or gaudy. And I know in my brain how to bring it back. This is like the Sunday night show, for example. Yeah, Sunday yeah. night. Yeah. yeah. But what about for Cooper Cronk? What, because to, to, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm, I love that show. To me, yep. I said to Ravis the other day when he was sitting here, I said, mate, for me, that's the best show on television when it comes to footy. Mm. It's the best analysis of footy yes. for, for me there is. And it's the combination of you and Cooper Cronk, Cronk's sort of strategic thinking um, as yep. a a more recent player, more, more modern player yes. in the modern game. Um do you have to prepare for that, or is, oh, or is yeah. running off coops? That, that's 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 the toughest uh, uh, prep for me every week. Yeah, it makes I've got to watch every game, Mark. And oftentimes, if I'm watching, I've had a couple of beers. I've got to go back the next day and watch it again because you, you didn't pick up everything. You didn't pick up. Everything. So you'd be sitting there watching the game, taking notes. Yep, the whole time, every game. Yep, and I recount again. I, I come back to the fact that through my rugby league career, in my career, I wasn't a great player. I wasn't Andrew Johns. I wasn't Brad Fittler. So for me, you mean in terms of natural talent? Natural talent. But so for me, it had to be using your brain, intelligence, having a roadmap in your brain of where the game's going to go and how to counter that. Nuances of ball playing, 
you know, the little science. Proper analytics. Proper analytics. So I'll sit and watch a game and I'll jot a note down. I might watch, you know, Reese Walsh do something or Adam Reynolds go up and play at the back to Reese Walsh. Suddenly it sparks into my brain from stuff that I was taught, stuff that I learnt. And so we take that into the podcast. Is Cooper a natural? Uh, Cooper Cronk, natural, that is a natural talent? Uh, no, I worked with Cooper when he was a young bloke, right? So we got a good relationship. Um, Cooper... If we go back, going into at the end of two thousand and five, uh, Melbourne Storm were in a bidding war with Manly for Matt Orford. Yep, I remember and that. And finally, just went up as it does rapidly, goes up to silly money, and someone something's got to give. And Manly went, uh, sorry, Melbourne went, we're out. And they went, okay, what, what are we going to do? We haven't got a halfback. And they said, mm, we've got this young utility bloke. Um, we'll give him a go. And they rung me and said, would you? coach him just on playing the halves. I was, yeah, good as gold. So he'd come and stay at my place and we'd work out stuff like that. And, Mark, when I, you know, and this is, um, you know, just uh, really highlights the work ethic of Cooper. Because oh, when he first come to the house, right, and we go down the park and there used to be drills, I'd lay stuff out just to work out what type of player uh, this uh, someone was, you know. Is he pass-centric? Is he run-centric? You know, what's his dynamics, a good, good footwork, hasn't he? All those. And the drill I put out for Cooper, I went away and I, I run Craig Bellamy and said, he's Jeff Toovey. He's robust. He's tough. He's going to be very good at taking on the big blokes in and around the middle and pinballing. And I can see he's an intelligent bloke, but that's going to, it's going to take time. You're going to have to adjust the game plan around his own limitations where he sits at the moment. But bit by bit, Year by year, he's just extended on that, extended to the point towards the end. You know, he's probably one of the greatest analytical halfbacks we've seen, one of the best ball players and one of the best organisers. You know, Mark, that was a million miles away from what he was originally at the end of 2005. So do you, and do you put that down to um, like proper intelligence? And I don't mean anybody else who's not that way is not intelligent, but I mean proper intellect in terms of um, building up analytics around what works and what doesn't work through observation and then yeah. then through execution by trying by trying stuff and failing. You know, do you, do you put that yeah. down to that for someone like Cooper Cronk? Because I remember when he played for us when we won the grand final and we had the broken shoulder. Mm. He was like an on-field coach. I mean, everyone says, well, he probably didn't do much, but that's bullshit. Like he yeah. was there inspiring him, one, yeah. and, uh, you know, probably uh, talking to Kiri in the background, like telling Luke what to do. But he was like an on-field coach. Yes. And and I remember when we won the 2002, Freddie was an on-field coach. Yep. Yep. Great teams always have an on-field coach. Yep. I don't care. Whoever wins his grand final this year in 2023 will have an on-field coach. It could be Nathan Cleary. Yeah. You know, Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds. Yeah. Again. That's it. Great teams win I mean, you know much more about footy than I do, but great teams always win with on-field coaches. Uh, halfbacks, such an essential. You can have the best pack in the world, but it's have, like having a V12 engine with no steering wheel, you know, like a fisherman without a rod. You know, they're the ones that make it happen. And yeah. So, like, just in terms of someone like Cooper Cronk, would you say he's one of the best strategists yes. that's, and tactician that's ever come out of football? Yep. Cooper's got a higher intelligence because he's passed through – I reckon it's fear. I think there's sometimes right, there's a sweet spot with players. So you get blokes like, and you know, you see with business and life with some blokes. Some blokes are just fantastically naive. Ah, fuck it. I'll just get out there and fuck. 
do it. Yeah. Like, you know. Instinct. And you ask certain blokes and you say, why did you do that? Oh, I don't know, I just did it. It's just natural talent, Like right? just instinct. Instinct. Yeah. But then you get the blokes who are slightly more intelligent, right, and they go away and, right, and for them I think with intelligence comes over-analysis. So if I would do something with Cooper and I'd get there and I've worked with other hails before and you'll say, mate, why don't I give this a go? And they'll do it once and I go, beautiful, it's part of their repertoire. With Cooper, you give him that theory and you go and do a bit of practical stuff with it. He goes, that's interesting. And he'll take it away, try it, and come back and ask a question, take it away again, come back, take it away again. It takes a long time for that to be part of his, for him to really put in as part of his game and to believe in it. Right? It takes him a lot longer than most people. But he passes all through that. And, for, you know, you look at the length of his career, that enabled him to gather all this information, believe in it, put his own twist on it, and then those last three years he played, I think he won three comps in a row at the end of his career. Yeah. You know, that was the reward for all that heartache and all that pain in the ass stuff he had to do. Like for him, most of his career, it would have been really hard work being Cooper Cronk on himself. You know, never... You know, never being able to be settled, never being able to have an off day, you know, never being able to switch off, all that sort of stuff. And I see that with Cooper now, you know, with his TV stuff. You know, he's always sort of, I watch him when we're about to do stuff and he, you know, switches on and can flick the switch. I've gone sort of past all that now, but he's he's very much still that in that player mindset. So I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what your view on this is, Mandy, because I mean, for me I see you as one of the great analysts for Rugby League too. And – Alongside Cooper Cronk, I want to ask you this: Cooper Cronk, Andrew Johns, mm. Andrew Johns' instinct, talent, could, could pretty much do anything he wanted to do. You know, banana kicks, kick, run, whatever. Cooper, yep. as you said, had to work on a bit more a strategist. Yep, a, a game manager, and a, pretty much an on-field coach. Yep. You know, if you were picking a team today, and I, I don't want you, you know, this is not about bagging either one, yeah. but. What would you say over a ten-year period would be the better player to have in your team? Mm. Mm. At halfback, well, the air conditioner and the heater. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, which so one's the air conditioner, one's the heater? Yeah, yeah. I know which one's heating you up at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but that's that's a sort of an interesting thing. If like if I'm a, a coach, if I'm Trent Robinson, and I'm trying to find the dude I want to have in my halfback position, yeah. and I've got a Sammy Walker at the moment, who's you know a great instinctive player, like he looks yeah. like he's playing. In the park with his brothers or uncles, uh, every time he plays, like okay. he just—it's beautiful to watch. But uh, Wayne what? Bennett would prefer Andrew Johns. Trent Robinson would prefer Cooper Cronk. Right. Um, so it comes back to the coach then. I think it does. What sort of what what they're looking for? This is why, like Kevin Walters, um, like he's like Adam Reynolds is so important to Kevy. Kevy was a really intelligent player, and. You know, and, and he's an intelligent, he's really underrated coach and it's showing that now. Well, no, he's, because he was before underrated. Yeah, because he's a bloke, because he's a bloke who's sort of happy-go-lucky and, yeah, you know, joke, and people sort of think that's the real Kevy. Where you, you, I'd imagine he'd be a real chameleon. Behind the scenes, he'd be very switched on. And, and, and at the start of the year when Selwyn Cobbo come out and said, oh, mate, you know, Kevy and really Renault's more of the coach, well, that's a wrap on Kevy. The fact that Kevy hasn't imposed himself on the on the team and tried to, you know, a lot of coaches get there and they're just trying to show how smart they are all the time and trying to almost put the players in, in a box and put them in the corner, that teacher-student thing. 
where it was obvious by Sawin Cobo's remark that Kevy's brought Adam Reynolds in and pushed him to the front because at the end of the day, he's the bloke that's got to lead him around. He's the on-field uh, coach. And so I would say a lot of times with Kevy and, and Adam Reynolds, they're in cahoots, you know, but a lot of times Kevy will go to Adam Reynolds and say, hey, listen, I need you to do this and tell the boys this. So, yeah, different coaches want different players. Has the game evolved though? To, that it, so therefore it's more uh, um, mandatory to have, you know, a, a good on-field manager? Yeah. Um, like, <clears throat> okay, um, yeah, without a doubt. Like if, if Cooper and Andrew play alongside each other, you, it would work better if you put Cooper in the seven and Joey in the six because Joey is a multi-dimensional player, right? Uh, early to midway through Joey's career, he would do something, just get the ball and bang, take a go, guy on. Mate, what were you going to do that? I, don't know, I just fucking looked up and the bloke looked a little tired and I just ran at him. With Cooper Cronk, why'd you do that? Well, Matty, what happened, right? I had a look and the ruck went forward. I thought if I can just do, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. I will say he this. He laid it out. It laid it out. Andrew at the back end of his career started to become a lot more of that. Right? Joey used to set play uh, uh, little points on the field and set up his pet play. So he became that player and at that point in his career he could do either. So if Andrew, you know, if you put Andrew, Cooper Cronk and Andrew in a team, if you gave Andrew the seven and you gave Cooper the six, I think I think in essence of what we used to view as seven and a six, a half and a five, eight, I think Cooper would be a little bit lost you know, he'd be going. I, you know, I want to control this. Where Andrew, he he he'd see Cooper going right. I'm going to do this, and Joey say, "Sweet, I'm just going to sit back and watch, and just come in when I want." How is it? And you've known footy players for a long time. How is it that blokes like I remember Freddie always looked like he had all the time in the world. Darren Lockett always looked like he had all the time in the world when he had the ball. Uh, uh, Munster today always mm. looked like he's got like all the time in the world. It's like it's like uh, they slow time down on the on the field. Mm. What is that? I mean, I watch these games. I think tackle him. Like yeah. it feels like everybody's just. Is it yeah. because the opposition is waiting for them to do something because they have such high respect for him? Or what I is think, it? I think that's a, that's a part of the reason. A lot of those really great players got early, you know, great hands earlier. The catch the ball, the more, you know, like the early catch as opposed to catching it there makes a big difference. More, you know, more time with the ball in your they hands. They fuck around with it, sort of like yeah, teams go fuck. What's he doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, where they position themselves, not too narrow on the ruck so the defence can up and in them, just a couple of steps wider so the defence has got a hold, formations they put around them, all those things. And, and as you said, it's reputation. They get the ball and we go, oh, yeah, it's particularly younger defenders. Yeah. You know, they're standing there and they're watching what they're doing, a little bit a little bit intimidated the defence line. I can't remember now, but did you play in the 98 Origin? Uh, was first, that first and third game? Did, did you was that um, under um, who, who was your coach? Tommy. 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 So, oh, that was my first year of sponsorship. Yeah. So, so you play. I don't forget the day. Tommy. Uh, I, Tommy said to me um, right at the beginning of the sponsorship. He said, uh, "Look, is there anything you want me to do, Mark? This is my first sponsorship ever." I said, "Well, mate, just don't bring the game to disrepute." And um, <laughs> the very first. So you were in the first first crew that got selected because um, it was Super League War was on and. Uh, he, uh, the next day, he said, oh, no, no worries, mate, 100%, I understand, I understand that. The next day I picked up the newspaper, and I, it was a Saturday morning, 
He must have taken you guys out somewhere because there was a photograph of him in the Bourbon and Beefsteak Bar yep. with a cigarette and a, a drink in the hand, a cigarette in that there and a drink there, and his hand got up some, across some bloke's throat um, against the wall <laughs> in the Bourbon and Beefsteak <laughs> Bar. And uh, it was a like, front page or back page of the, of the Daily Telegraph, whatever it was called. Right. And um, <laughs> what was it like working with me oh, and the same Tommy? It was, mate, it was awesome. Yeah, Tom, Tommy, uh, the first time I came across Tommy, it was 1981. My dad was coaching Cessnock. Warren Ryan was coaching Newtown. And Newtown and Cessnock formed a sister club organisation, uh, uh, sorry, arrangement. And Cessnock would travel down to Hanson Park, do some training sessions, and then they played a trial game uh, where Newtown came up and played Cessnock. I've actually got the team sheet still here. The old man gave it. Gave it. He goes, man, I do it. I found it. Have a look at this. Is that any interest? Yes, fucking give it here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember they played the trial game. Newtown beat us. It's fun. It shows you the strength of country rugby league back in those days. Those Cessnock sides, um, they won. They went on to make their grand final that year. Newtown, I think they beat Cessnock something like twelve five. Really tough, hard fought game. But then the day after, uh, Dad's uh, Cessnock's Nick Politis, you might say, was Murray Tyrrell, the winemaker. Yeah. Dad had a great relationship with Murray. They go talent spot together. Murray put a barbecue on for all the Cessnock and Newtown blokes. And I remember standing there, right, as a young kid, I'd have been about uh, nine or ten, and just listened to Tommy just rattle through all these stories. And uh, every time he started a, a story, he turned to me and said, listen, don't tell your fucking mother this story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was yeah. The other days is Barry Wood and Chickamore and all those guys? I think, yeah, Chickamore was there. I remember on the team sheet. Uh the reserve grade side for Newtown that night had a bloke called Chicka Ferguson on Chica the wing. Ferguson. Wow. Phil Gould Gus. in the back row. <laughs> yep. First grade side, Kenny Wilson, Tom Redonicus, Graham O'Grady, Phil Sigsworth. Sigsworth, wow. Uh, Ray Blacklock, Nathan Blacklock's old man, son of Jeff Bugden. Yeah, on and on, but then you know to be coached by Tommy, it was yeah, it was it was it was great fun. And uh, that night we went at the Bourbon and Beefsteak. Yeah, you remember it? Yeah, yeah. I will tell you what happened, Mark. So, so we're about to go out, right? Anyway, Queensland of straight away, as opposed to staying in Queensland and coming down a few days before the game, they just did the whole camp in, in Sydney. And word had gone out that they're having their bonding night on the town as well. And Tommy had a really cro- close relationship with all those Ipswich blokes, the Walters brothers and uh, Alfie, of course. Him and Alfie were like father-son. So he said, listen, fuck, boys, if these. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
idiots around on the town, if I see any of you blokes talking to any of them, you sack straight away. Well, okay, this will be interesting. Sure enough. At midnight, we go to the bourbon beef steak. Who walks in? The whole Queensland side. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably the only joint open after midnight. True. And they're coming up and they're trying to have a chat. And we're, you know, I'm talking. Remember, Gordy's trying to talk to me and I'm sort of got my beer and I'm looking the other way. And he's going, what's, what's, what's the fucking matter with you? And, of course, Alfie and uh, Kev picked up on it. They're going, come on, come on, Tommy, come on, mate. And they're pulling his ears and all that. And I remember he turned around grabbing one of them. And oh, that was a photo. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So, yeah, it, it, they were, they were uh, he was a lot of fun, Tom. Isn't it funny how footy is like what the expectations of Football teams today have changed so much from back then. I mean, even just the bonding, the, the bonding environments back in '98. You know, that's I, I get it. It's a long time ago, but yep. the 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 way players are themselves, like as individuals, for a start, they're mm. much more professional. Yep. coaches are much more professional. Um, it, you know, and Freddie was, you know, it's like he didn't have a older boy career. Um, he was great mm. football, but he's he did a, you know had messed up a few times. I, re, I remember, like I remember one time there. Uh, he was. I was a sponsor of the Australian side, and uh, was it? And I remember he was supposed to turn up to a memorial, uh, 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 like an Australian memorial, like you know, for soldiers. I mean, and and the New Zealand team were there, and Freddie didn't make it, and uh, he'd been out in the drink the night before, and uh, and it was he got sacked as the Australian coach. I mean, but he now today, yeah, is like he's a an, a beacon of respectability. Yep, Freddie doesn't even drink. Yep, he, he very rarely has a drink now. Yep, and. Uh, and you know he's got two great kids, and uh, he's got his wonderful wife. And he, like, is it just a matter of growing up, or for, mm. you, for you guys as rugby league players, or, or is it something more than that? Is it have you evolved as individuals around the game as well as the game has evolved? Yeah, I think yeah, I think as the game naturally as you get older, you know, it um, you sort of get there, and uh, like I watch a movie, and you know. I'm, most of the time when I was with Trish, she goes, I've never seen you cry. And now every time we put a movie on, particularly if something happens with the dog in the movie, I'm crying. She goes, oh, mate, she goes, you just got too much estrogen in your body these days. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you, um, But, yeah, I think it's just naturally aged, but yeah, the game's evolved, Mark. We're talking about, you know, when you talk about 95, 96, even up to 98, the game has just gone fully professional. It's still coming out of the days. Where you got the bloke who's working like a mate of mine, Steve Crow, right? Who played quite a bit of first grade, was part of the '97 Grand Final. Mark, he he de- debuted in '91, and it wasn't until I would say '97, no, '98, even when he won the Grand Final, mate, he was still working dog watching the coal mines. Wow! So he would play a game, mate. He play a game on a Sunday. We'd go to the pub, he'd have a few beers and then one of the boys would uh, drive him to the mine and he'd do the uh, he'd do his shift down the coal mine, you know, and then, you know, come out and, you know, work till 8 o'clock in the morning and then go and do the rehab session, go home and sleep and then just repeat it all week, you know, training uh, back in the coal mine. And so th- those days of blokes being labourers and stuff like that, then you go and play the game. It was... It was really semi-professional. And, you know, in our generation that played, there was still the hangover from that where these days, like I remember hearing once about the NFL, they said the demise of the American track and field team, the male uh, track and field team, the reason America wasn't winning gold medals in the 200 and the 400 was because of NFL. 
is that if you could run that quick and you're a good athlete in college, why would you go into the Olympics when you can earn a $20 million a year playing NFL? Well, I actually start to think, I'm, I'm seeing that now with the NRL. Like these blokes are Olympic athletes. They're that good. Some are better than Olympic athletes. They're, incre- they're incredible athletes. And so, you know, you, to be that and to compete against that, you just can't be burning the candle at both ends like we did. So but does that mean someone like you who's a commentator and an analyst when it comes to the game, you have to evolve too? I mean like Cooper Cronk, he's a fully a straighty 180. Like yep. he's a straightest bloke. Yeah, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he, no, is no, no, he's very disciplined, very t- in everything he does. Yep, in everything he does, and uh, he's a he's a product of the modern game. And uh, then see someone some like the Johns Brothers, mm. you know, you guys were larrikins, um, but you're still there. And Andrew is too, but you're still there. You're doing all sorts of shows. Yeah. Has your has you made a conscious um, change to your lifestyle and the conscious change to the what you do in order to keep up with the way the game's evolved? Mm. Uh, for me, it takes a lot of discipline to be disciplined. <laughs> it yeah. makes it. Yeah. So, so it's conscious. Yeah, so I have like I, I, for what I do now is probably no different to when I was playing to a certain extent is that I, I can, there's parts of me that won't change and I don't want to change. I still love going out. Like I still love having a good time. Like, you know, Saturday I, I said to uh, – I was talking on the family podcast on, on yesterday and I said, you know, I said last Saturday was one of the best days I've had in the last decade. So I jump on a bus, go up to Neutral Bay, go to the Oaks, I catch up with Mark Fantasy and Andrew Webster, the journal. So we get up there about 12.30 and we're having a beer. Three o'clock I go, you know, boys, I'm going to head back into Manly. I'm going to watch the Warriors game there. You know, okay. so I get back on the bus, go to Manly, put the earbuds in, right, listen to music I like and I'm just bar hopping. I'm going from pub to pub, place to place and I'm sitting, you know, and watching the football and meeting nice people, having a ball of a time. You know, then I get a call and they said, you know, a young bloke I used to coach, he said, I'll make the coach, uh, the, the side I'm coaching. got their presentation. I'd come over. So whenever there was all the young, young blokes there having a beer and having a good time, they go pretty hard, those young local footballers. But, you know, 11.30, 12 o'clock, I'm out and going to bed. That's a pretty good session. But I've had just a great time. And I don't want to forgo that. But there's a balance, you know, and I've got to be, you know, on top of that I want to be training these days, want to be eating the right things, want to be able to bounce back. But more importantly for me is not foregoing work ethic, that the work side of things and my responsibilities suffer because of it. Yeah, I mean, every, I mean, I, people say to me, Matty Johns must be earning so much money. He's on, he's on, he's doing so many broadcasting things. I mean, you're on SEN, you're on Fox. Yeah. I mean, you've got your, all your podcasts. You, you, yeah. By the way, your family podcast is unreal. I mean, yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I, it is a bit of a, a version of uh, Sylvania <laughs> Waters of uh, 25 years That's ago. very kind. I think more like the Osbournes. Yeah, the Osbournes. <laughs> that, that's scary. That is scary. <clears throat> I remember that uh, show first came to air, the, the Sylvania Waters. It was the first reality show in Australia. But it's like looking inside your family. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. Like it, you're – how does that work? Like who came up with the idea? Was it Trish or your boys or did you come up with the idea? I'll tell you what happened was that when COVID hit, like we all made adjustments during COVID and we come out of it and you, there's certain things that just changed about our lives and how we thought and did things. And one of which was there was a period there that I was contracted to Fox, uh, Fox Sports to do one podcast a week. The problem was for a while there we weren't allowed in the building. So like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I'll tell you what, 
bring all the podcast equipment to me and I'll do it with the family. That'll I'll, I'll, I'll fulfil my obligations, my contractual obligations there. And they're like, mm, you know, will it work? And I said, oh, it'll work. Don't worry. And that's where it started. Because they, they would have been at home as well. Yeah, they were all that it, we're all at home together. So, like, so just in terms of the family podcast, it was obviously Trish, and then you see Cooper a lot. Yeah, um, Jack, you don't see as much. Yep. So, just tell me the dynamic. How's it working? Do, do, okay, so who's doing what? Who's so, in charge of what? Let's say, for my, I'm, I'm the Irish side of the family, yep. the Irish Welsh side. So, I like a good time, a little loose. I like telling stories. I'm a showman. I'm an attention seeker. I'm like a moth. Turn on the spotlight. And you're there. Uh, Cooper's like that. He's more like me. Trish is the Italian side of the family, sort of reserved, very strong in her views, um, doesn't like to take the piss too much, you know, likes, you know, very thoughtful. That's Jack. Yeah. So he's 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 got the Italian genes and Cooper's got the Irish genes. Good luck, Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Good luck, but but the show works. So the dynamic works, and the dynamic works. Obviously, the Italian genes and the the Irish Welsh genes that you have mm. work with you and Trish. Like you guys have been together for a long time. Yep. And I often hear you talk about Trish. Like, and and sometimes you sort of semi take the piss about yeah. something more about what you've done. Yep. Um, but you don't mind telling a story around it. Where's that? Is that? I mean, is that an endemic thing in you? Like, did your father was he a storyteller? Was your mother a storyteller? Or your grandparents? Because that that's a pretty big skill, and it's a natural skill. Yeah, you dad, love dad, telling stories. Dad, I never looked at my dad till uh, as a storyteller until now. I'll get there, and someone will that will you know, someone will ask you to go on the radio show, like when Cooper does stuff with Colin Jackie O. They got the old man on one day, and I thought, "How's he going to how's he gonna handle this? This, you know, fine." But they told a couple of stories, and it was brilliant. It was very, very funny. So yeah, it's and a lot of times it's for me collating stories, yeah, you know, not forgetting things that have happened in my career and my life and things like that. And it's like anything, Mark. You know, it's like the computer. Someone will say something, and it'll spark, you know, spark something, and you go, oh, "I remember now." You know, for me, but I've got to write everything. Like if I remember a story quickly, I'll jot it down so it stays in my brain because that's the other thing about me. Everything is longhand. You should see like my desk at home. Um, it's an absolute – it's a dog's breakfast. But you know where everything system. is. Hey? You know where everything is. Yeah, I know where everything is. It's all paper and pen. Like I've never owned a computer in my life. Are you serious? Uh, I've never sent an email in my life. No. I've never been on uh, – Trish does my social uh, – does my Instagram. Yep. I've never been – had a presence on social media, Twitter, any of those things. I, I just – I like to keep my life really simple and you know, I say to people, I say to work, if you want to get in touch with me, send me a text, call me or send an email to Trish. Have you any idea of how how deep your memory is? I mean because I, I, I've actually stood there in various, various times and I thought to myself, how's this guy remember um, this group, this singer? Uh, back in what year? Uh, yeah. What the words? What the name of the song was? You, you are, you're aware of that, aren't you? Uh, yes, and other I th- people say it. And I think that's part when I yeah connect things together. When I say okay, I get the rundown. Okay, I got the rundown off the producer, but then I write it out myself. Once I write something down, once I care about something, Mark, or something interests me, I very very rarely forget it. So if someone says something about a, a band or a country or a moment in history. If I've read it and it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of interest to me, then I remember it. 
Uh, It'll stay there forever. Are you a reader? Yes, yes. So let's let's, let's talk about that. So what does that mean? Like would you read every day? Uh, To to varying degrees. Sometimes, you know, I'll churn through a book. Other times it takes a little bit longer. When you say a book, you mean a fictional book or you're talking about a book about something? No, I've never – the only – I'm trying to think. I read a fictional book couple of years ago it must have must not have piqued my interest because i can't remember which one it was but it's always uh, uh biographies or history so yeah that's so that's, what interests you then what what does what are you interested in? i mean you talk about football what interests maddie johns so outside that's, of that that's interesting because uh you say that because you know i've i've got and maybe this has got to do with why i like having a good time so much more is that i don't play golf um you know, I play lawn bowls occasionally. I like that because you walk parallel to the clubhouse rather than walk away from it. But, you know, but I have no great interests. So my interests are relationships with people, have a coffee, enjoy it, travel and reading. Really, that's the extent of it. When you say uh, reading, yeah, um, that, that's, I mean, I'm sort of a little bit similar, but um, I, yeah. in terms of because I don't play golf and all that sort of things, but for me reading is – critical reading for me is learning i'm i read to learn uh, about something um i've heard you recite historical events Mm. i've heard you recite stuff about when a a band was here in australia and 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 you'd Mm. even know the names of all the individuals you know the songs that they sang i i I heard Mm. you say this on triple m um and i thought to myself this dude must read stuff um that interests him Mm. and then somehow retain it to his memory and you must do it often, you know, to have that sort of level of knowledge about stuff apart from mm. footy, um, you must be reading these things purposefully, chasing it. And maybe that's, you know, might be the fact that, you know, I don't own a computer, Mark, and it's become a necessity to have that, you know, to have my all these notes on my desk and everything, but I know exactly where everything is. I know I've, you know, got to be here. And I know that I've got to be here at a certain time and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah, do you I, get I, obsessed with it though? Reading it? Uh, not not obsessed. I get there sometimes. If I've got stuff on Mark, you know, I've got to get it done. If I've got to plan something, I've got to do it straight away, because otherwise it just sits on my shoulder like a weight. So I sort of like to get everything and be organised. Get it, get on top of it quick. Um, otherwise, it's a burden. Like I, I'm think, lately, I've been thinking about some other thing about doing this other podcast, right? And it's just driving me mad to the point that I've got to write a note on my desk. You aren't allowed to think about this podcast until next Monday. Next Monday, really? Yes, to have the discipline to not be thinking about it. So, otherwise, I'm driving in the car, an idea comes. I go, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. I've got to pull to the side of the road and write down a note or two, and and then keep going. Yeah, you know, you're on a 15 minute drive somewhere. It takes an hour and a half to fucking get there. Yeah, totally. So, mm. like, I, I got asked about the elephant in the room. Like, I said about family, Andrew. Mm. Um, mate, what's going on? Well, you know, we 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 we. Is it a G up? No, it's not. No, so it's, it's dead set of, of, of two brothers having an argument. Yeah, look at the moment. We're not even the same library, let alone the same page. So you know, it's it's a little bit, mate. You know, we we just we are different people, and we we clash some way, shape, or form biannually, twice a year. Yeah, twice a year. Yeah. Some next day doesn't matter. Other times it prolongs a little bit. 
It goes a little bit longer. Is this the longest time you haven't? Oh, no, no. We've gone years. Oh, no bullshit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've gone for years, not talking to your brother. Yeah, we've gone for years. How do you avoid him? Like, I mean, I mean, I say, no, we'll like Christmas it. time, what happens? Um, you say, g'day, how are you going? Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be, uh, just trying to remember. I remember seeing him once. He's funny. He'll get there. Like we, we're, it's sort of part of our playing out our, our roles and who we are. And I'll go, oh, here he is. I'll go, Joey, how are you, mate? And he'll go, yeah, mate. He does it. Actually, that <laughs> is his facial he... expression. That is his facial expression. Yeah, yeah mate, not bad. Yeah, go, okay. But is it a, you're the older brother. I mean, is it yeah. a matter of the older brother breaking the ice every time? <sighs> Has yeah. that? A, but has, this is the thing has gone on, I guess, over the yeah. years. You know, right? There's here's here's a bit of a story. I, I reckon, I reckon, you know, because uh, through through this blue, uh, the the blue, I've been sort of taking the piss a little bit, you know, like an older brother just sort of poking him a little bit, and um, he tumbles. Yeah, you know, he gets the shits. He does, and uh, he sort of takes a lot more serious than I do. I hear through my mates, mate, he's not happy. I say, you know. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. No worries. Oh wait, you know, he reckons he's going to get a job here next time. I see. Oh really? <laughs> he must have taken boxing lessons since the last time he had a stink. And um, and he, he rung me. I was on the Gold Coast, right? I, I, I take full responsibility for this, right? I deserve a kick up the ass. And what had happened? I thought, right? Wouldn't it be funny if this Sunday night coming up on the show, I booked. Jamie Goddard to come on. Of course, famously, Jamie Goddard was the bloke that Joey yep. with a big right hand, put about 60 stitches in his mouth or something. It'd be funny. So I rang Jamie Goddard. I said, yeah, I'll come on the show. So um, this is a Sunday night show? This a is Sunday night yep, show. Right. Joey rang me after he accepted. Joey rang me about an hour later. G'day, mate. How you going? Oh, mate. How you going, little brother? Yeah, good. Do you, want to, uh, do you want to catch up? I said, no, I don't. He said, why is that? I said, I'm on the Gold Coast. But when we get back to Sydney, we'll um, we'll catch up. Sweet. So Joey's reached out. Unfortunately, when he watched the Sunday night show. <laughs> Filthy. <laughs> he knew you were just screwing with him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because through the show, I thought it was pretty funny. Through the show, we said to Jamie Goddard, listen, the elephant in the room is going to be the Joey thing. And the fact that me and Joey are blue and people are going, oh, here we go. But I said, let's not mention it until the last frame in the show. So all the way through, we're asking the questions like, do you any boxing when you're, since you were a kid, when you were a young bloke? And he'd play along, oh, a little bit, but do you, do you, do you, have, you have many blues in your rugby league career? Oh, oh. None that really come to mind. Oh yeah. Then we did it. We did a break, a little uh, uh, rewind, retro rewind. Let's go and have a look at some of the greatest fights in Origin history. And of course, it was the only one we didn't put in. Then it was like, right up, it's time. Let's address the elephant in the room. Why did you leave the Gold Coast? You know, at that time. So everyone. Anyway, as the show. Well, that's all we got time for. And Fletch goes, hang on a second, and we showed it. I think Joey thought, cheeky bastard. So did you get a text? I got a text. 
What is he filthy? <laughs> he was. <laughs> so would it be fair to say though? I mean, because you don't have to like your brother all the time. Yeah, you don't have to like anyone in your family all the time. No, you love them. Yeah, and if something goes wrong, you're the first person there. But yeah. you don't have to like them. There's no there's no. no rule book that says that's the way it is. Yeah, and everybody would be oh they're brothers, but shit, oh that happens all the time. It happens all the time. But yeah. I know so many people, like, you know, even in my own family, two of my sons, they don't necessarily like each other that much. But I know, you know, they love each other. They, yeah. And at the end of the day, if they don't, they're going to get a clip from me anyway. I don't give a fuck how old they are. Yep. They will definitely get a clip from their father. Yep. But, like, at the end of the day, they, they, they're they different personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. And you and Joey are different. And we have, like, mate, like we, we growing up, you know, we slept in the same room, you know. Uh, Joey was on the bottom bunk. I was on the top bunk. Yeah. Then we, yeah, we go. We same school, of course, uh, and then hey, we have the same profession. This high profile profession. We're playing, you know, first grade NRL. Then you know, in a town like Newcastle, which is rugby crazy, and then we win this amazing competition. Yeah, we play for New South Wales together, for Australia together. Like I think we're just fucking sick of each other. Well, I guess that's that's sort of thing that happened too. So the grand final is coming up. Yeah, let's not try and predict who's going to win the grand final because you know they both anyone any side can win it yep. on the day. And, and of course, there's always injuries to be looking at, etc. So, but let's just look back on the season that's just passed and and everything that has built up towards the grand final. How do you rate this year's season as a footy season? The greatest that I've. I've seen, and what do you mean no, by that? No exaggeration. Well, what's that mean? In moments, or are we talk about um, talent, or, or like what? I, I think all of that, all those things together. I think the players have never been better, Mark. The game, the way the game has evolved. I think Peter Volandis, the NRL, deserve enormous credit. If we go back to the COVID period, which was it? Isn't wasn't it a bizarre time? Totally. Think about it, fuck, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, like once in five generations or what. But you look at that time, a, a lot of people made adjustments in their lives, of course, in their professions. And it, it was interesting the way the NRL did things. Rather than sit on their hands, that little pause in the game allowed the NRL and you know the uh, Independent Commission, a lot of the great thinkers of the game, to have a look at the game and say, right, okay, let's have a look at how this game looks. Um, how can we make this better? And they made some big calls. Six general people were like, You've got to be kidding me. Too big a change. What, a bell's going to go off? And I was thinking, well, God, this could be a disaster. The reduction of scrums. You know, they stop fucking around with these scrums. They don't mean anything, right? Just turnover and things like that. Well, they've worked brilliantly, in my opinion. What it's done, Mark, it's sped the game up, right? And uh, sped the game up, uh, it's, it's the biases on attack. It's really important in the game that, that attack always has the superiority. The moment we allow the defence to catch up to the attack, the product suffers. The very fact that we're the stars of this season have been Reese Walsh, Sean Johnson, uh, Caelan Ponger of late, all those players, you know, so on, you know, Cleary, um, shows that it's attack bias, that the game's good because the stars, they're rising to the top. So from that angle, the game has never been better. And and Mark, uh, and the interest around the game, 
the interest around the game has been has been phenomenal. Mate, record ratings on TV. Mate, we're seeing and we're seeing sold out stadiums everywhere. I mean, look at what happening. What is taking place? Is taking place this year in New Zealand is just absolutely incredible. I went to Magic Round, Mark, and you know, I'm again bouncing from bar to bar, and you're meeting people, and it's such a great couple of days. I'm running to people from the South Island of New Zealand. There was about four or five, you know, different groups from Dunedin of all places, which is just rugby union heartland. Totally. It was, you know, rugby lose, Hari Kari. Like you just uh, – yet, and they were talking about how good the game is and the interest now in the South Island and the Warriors. And wherever the Warriors have taken uh, a game in New Zealand, it's been, been sold out. So it just shows you how good the product is there. The fact that, you know, a few weeks ago we were on – uh, the cusp of the Rugby Union World Cup and they're saying in New Zealand the Warriors are getting all the front page and back page and the All Blacks have been relegated. Like, When does that ever happen? And losing games. Like, That's right. Especially Rugby Union. Absolutely. I mean, the All Blacks. It seems to me that there's been a whole lot of new characters developed this year in 2023 in the game. Like brand new characters. Now they were playing yeah. but they're just brand new characters. Like Kalen Pong has become a character. Yes. For some reason all of a sudden. Maybe because he's come back from, um, the, you know, the head injury drama that he had at the beginning of the season, went to Canada and got some stuff done. But he's come back like unbelievable. And and what it's done for a place like Newcastle. Yeah. Like you say Newcastle are really mad but they it actually holds the community together. It's a big deal. I mean, Mark, these characters are, are arriving everywhere, popping up all over the joint. Mark, let's go back to the Canberra game, right? Um, I, I went up three or four years ago up to Newcastle with Trish to, to, to watch the Knights play and I, I, was, I was alarmed because there's very little atmosphere in the stadium. The crowd were very subdued. It was, you know, maybe 13,000, 14,000 people. Uh, and I said to Trish, my fear is the last 20 years have been such a disaster for the club. Wooden spoons, disastrous ownerships, all those things. I said, my fear is that the link between the club and the community has been broken and won't be mended. But the back half of this year, that has happened. And those last three home games, you know, but three of them sold out. And that last one against the Raiders... Dom Young, when he's run down that right touchline, and all the fan, fans in the background was incredible. That, that last try scored. Yeah, un- unbelievable, yeah. Mark. And I, I was got emotional watching it. And and the community, the community, the crowd that day, the community got the side home against the Raiders. The alleged bite, Jack Whitening. Yeah. If that ha- if that doesn't happen, we don't win. Yeah. Because the side were playing nervously. In front of a home crowd, they're expected to win, and it was eating them up. So you, you, you know, about ten minutes after half time, we're down by ten points, and we're going nowhere. Suddenly, Tyson Gamble jumps up and says, "You know, hang on." The crowd go nuts. The crowd lift emotionally, and the, the team pick up on that, and they win. And I was watching the game then at half at, at full time. I went, "Mate, the connection's still there." Which was for me pretty special. That's and that's what sort of tribalism does. I mean, that's the best part of tribalism. I mean, I think it's the best part of rugby league. It builds and rebuilds communities. I mean, it's that's why I mean people mm. talk about rugby league all the time. To me, like you know, it's dying off. I think twenty twenty three has been its biggest year. I think it's been unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I, I want to ask you one more thing, and, it's, and we're just into, and, and can I just say, Mark, just say you mentioned before about characters. Yeah, you know, there was a terrible thing 
happened a little while ago, because of you know all the controversy that had gone on, is the clubs were terrified of their players having personality. So to to have a player who had a little bit of spunk and spark about him was so rare, and like you had media managers hovering hovering over the top of them and not letting him do this and do that. There are so many great characters in the game now. Yeah, you know, of course you've got the Munsters and you've got the Brandon Smiths and those guys. They're just they're re- they they they're just great characters. And we've brought a lot of them on the couch on the Sunday night, and they're just great guys. Like the young Penrith blokes, right? And they cop a bit of stick. Blokes like the uh, uh, Jerome Luai. When they came on, they've come in twice on the show, right? Both times when they've left the building, everyone in the building have gone, what great, respectful young blokes they are. It's funny that. It, yeah. I mean, I think TV's done that. I think yep. the shows, the podcasts, you know, all the stuff that you're doing plus others, you know, the stuff that uh, Den and Kemp does and Bloke, yep. like just, you know, the Hello Sport guys. I mean, all, yes. they, they they are maybe it's because we have a greater opportunity to to actually um, put the spotlight on these great characters because they are great yeah. characters. And once upon a time it was, it was just on telly. It was a show, the game was on TV and that's all you ever saw about a player other than reading about something they might have done wrong on the front page yeah. of the telly or something. But generally speaking, I think the characters have probably emerged. They've probably always been characters, but they're probably emerged yeah. by virtue of all the um, platforms that exist today that, for us to talk to the characters and get so to know them. Tr- so true. And their own social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's, what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I get amazed sometimes at my joint, like with Cooper, right? It's like a fucking never-ending procession of things being dropped at the door, and I'm going, "What? What's? What, mate? What? What is this? Why do you need another mattress?" Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh, mate, I get on there and I just do a bit of a post on." So, uh, young players, I suppose, young people are so aware of their own—I don't like to use the word brand—but their own selves and how to promote their own promotion that's available. Even to the point, like our promos on Fox which like Charlie, who does them at Fox Sports, right? They, uh, our promos are as good, if not better, than the NFLs in America, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. They're very Some good. of the ones like Brantley. And last week, I, I, me and Charlie were talking about it. And he took the Penrith blokes down under these like dark tunnels in Sydney that, that he didn't know existed, mate. Someone tipped him off and had the Panthers standing there in the dark tunnel with their hoodies on, almost like that movie, The Warriors, you know. And Matty Noble walks through and, and talks. And I said, mate, that is so fucking good. And all the, through the year we've seen all these different ones and players putting them out there. And I said, are you, are you shocked by that? Because a decade ago, Mark, you tried to get a player to do anything. I said, no, no, I don't, I don't look stupid. Too much t- piss out of The players love it these days. Yeah, they're much more conscious of it. They're conscious because it promotes them. I mean, I'm an old dude, but I'm actually enjoying seeing the, the players do this and I'm actually enjoying seeing the characters come out of, you know, what they do themselves but also what your shows do to all the other all the other podcasts do for them. Over the last few weeks there's been a lot of discussion about concussion, you know, and I saw something, you know, more recently with, um, you know, you know Robbie O. Davis is on, on telly and, and, you know, I, I just couldn't help but feel for him. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Concussion is becoming a big deal now. Huge. And also whether or not it creates all these other things like CT and dementia, who knows. But just concussion itself, do you think that the NRL is doing enough in relation to the concussion protocols and, you know, how to deal with concussion once you get it? Like, for example, let's say, you know, one of your boys gets concussed. Mm. Um, You know, what do you – 
how do you treat them? And what are you supposed to do? Because as a parent, you get worried. Yeah. Um, because we have to deal with this. And this is a problem. We have to deal with it because otherwise parents will stop their kids playing footy and we'll never get the stars of the future. Um, where do you sit on this stuff? Mark, uh, I'm actually proud of the game, Heather. The more they find out about, the more we find out about concussion, the more protocols that are put in place. Um, let's have a look at like uh, your team. Like Joseph Swali'i gets hit at Shark Park. Now, I reckon even a few years ago, maybe right next week, he's not playing. Yeah. They said there'll be the, – the, the general said, no, he will not be playing. Yeah. And we see that, see that, that you know, that's a – that's a Jesus. That's a big step forward in the game. Considering Mark, that you you'd wake up in the sheds and you go, oh, get back out there. I can't. Well, I want to go back out. Got to go, mate. I've got to go back out because yeah. I tell you what, Mark. If if you get knocked out and you get taken off, and they come off the field at half time and you're up there sort of sitting, I said, what, what what's going on? Why isn't he back out there? When you got knocked out, or you sustained a, a, even a bad injury. You went back out there because it, it allowed you to prove to your teammates that you're worthy. And it says something about you, where now the protocols protect the players from themselves. And this is the big difference between the NRL and the NFL. Like with Triple M days, I interviewed Dr. Bennett Amalu. Of course, he was the guy who discovered CTE. He was the Nigerian doctor that concussion was based on. And the NFL, mate, they, they treated him like a pariah. They tried to destroy his reputation, his credibility. They locked him out of the stadiums. So it's take it took the NFL so long to acknowledge when the bleeding obvious was there. Whereas the NRL, the moment we started to get data and feedback, they've made the proper adjustments. Yeah. Well, um, that, that's, good to, that's good to hear that because I, mean, I, I sort of set you up a little bit because I'm on the concussion committee for the NRL and, and Junior's Wayne's the, the chairman of it. And I'll be honest with you, like, you know, we are not only conscious but we are obsessed with trying to get the best outcomes for players. We put we bought the 11-day rule in mm. at the beginning of the season and, you know, we got really concerned because, you know, I'm also on the board of the Roosters so I kept yeah. thinking to myself, well, one of our players gets injured like you just mentioned, Joseph Swiley. He had a, 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 a third-grade concussion but it got upgraded to one yeah. which meant he had to stand down for 11 days and he can't play, you know, he can't play the game against Melbourne. So – and then, you know, to some extent I started to worry about to myself that am I sort of causing a problem for my game, for my own team, yeah. but I'm on the border. But at the end of the day, we that concussion committee that the NRL sits under the NRL, sits under the NRL is 100, I can tell you now, is 100% about protecting players. Yep. From concussion, we will do whatever it takes to make sure it's not for the. We're not doing it for the game. We're yep. doing it for players. Yep. And uh, you know, and, and anybody who's ever suffered concussion, which I'm sure you have, um, you know how important it is. And when you were a parent and you're looking at your kids playing the game, like you do now, yep. um, this is a real worry. And yep. we we want to be seen as being one of the best. And when I see someone like Robbie O'Davis, I like, oh my god, like just you know, his wife is un, un you know, his yep. family's unhappy that. And I, and I obviously see Mario. I mean, like Mario really breaks my heart when I see Mario. Yep. And uh, and I you know I talk to Mr. Rebecca. And I, I see how tough it is for her. Um, it'd be good to see some more stuff get done for past players. Yep. But it, but it, we have to make sure we don't get young players now becoming the same as the past players that we're now yep. experiencing. 
and we've got to learn from what happens to the NFL. We've got to learn from what the AFL is going through. We've got to learn from – we've got to get the experts in and we've got to listen to them and we've got to f- stop thinking about the bravado. Oh, yeah, mate. That's a big – yeah, that's a big one. And that's what I mean by rugby league's evolved. Yeah, it is, yes. It's a proper profession. Yeah. And if someone if someone's getting injured, we wanted to play in three weeks' time properly and we don't want them to be injured when the day they walk out of the game. Yeah. And, uh, and I think rugby league has evolved intellectually. Absolutely. And it's to me it's so important um, that we have people like you, you know, and your team, you know, mm-hmm. and all the shows that you're working on to, as I remember sort of putting to earlier on, that you've evolved bringing a great, for me anyway, a great deal, deal of thought and intellect, but you do it in a funny way, yeah. great deal of thought and intellect to the game sort of builds our reputation. Yeah. And I'm, I, I want to say to you, Matty, like I'm, I'm really proud to be sitting here opposite you. I'm, I, I consider you as a friend and I just think it's wonderful what you are doing for our game and you have done for a long time and you will continue to do. And uh, on top of that, um, you make you do it with a great deal of um, not only humility but at the same time comedy. Mm. Comedy to me is one of the greatest ways to tell the story and get the point across. Yeah. And you managed to continually to do that. So on behalf of all the fans of uh, Matty Johns, thanks very much. Mark, I appreciate it. It's very nice. Thank you, mate. infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing we wondered the same thing so we made byheart a better formula for formula learn more at byheart.com